This is 680 CJOB. It's the main ingredient, and I'm your host, Kevin Bergen, and today's guest is a good one. He's known for many things, but he'll be talking about his experiences as a co-owner and manager of East India Company Pub and Eatery, which boasts over 650 seats in their locations in Winnipeg and Ottawa. Sachit Mira is a man who never sleeps. Before we get into uh, East India Company Restaurant, sure. let's, let's talk a bit about um, your family, the family behind it, and then we're going to talk a little bit about you. So okay. let's talk about your parents and what led them to Canada, Winnipeg. You know, what was the, the driving force behind that? Holy mackerel. Uh, so a bit of a history, sure. Um, our family's been in Canada since 1969. Uh, my father started. He had actually come to uh, Canada uh, to study engineering because, you know, in the East Indian culture, unless you're a doctor or an engineer uh, or an accountant, <laughs> you're a well, yeah, you have been a success, right? So he had come here and he quickly, of course, realized that, you know, uh, pursuing his engineering here in, in Canada would be expensive. So he needed to work. So he landed in BC and uh, became a lumberja- lumberjack for about uh, two summers, uh, you know, cutting, hauling, splitting wood, as, as he likes to say. And he earned a lot of money. And the reason he uh, landed in, in Winnipeg in Manitoba was because at the time, the University of Manitoba had the most inexpensive uh, civil engineering degree uh, than any of the universities in Canada. So oh, okay. he arrived here in Winnipeg. And he said he about $4,800 or something like that. He says what he had, he had earned uh, as, a, as a lumberjack, and that was enough to get him through civil engineering. And so, uh, you know, he worked uh, in different restaurants during that time to help supplement his income uh, as he was attending engineering school. And, uh, you know, when he graduated, um, he worked for the city for about a year or so as a civil engineer and quickly discovered that his real passion actually uh, had been uh, working in these restaurants, you know, making these sandwiches, making salads, uh, you know, doing front of the house or being a cook in the back of the house. Uh, that that's what his joy was. And, uh, he was also a bachelor at that time. Uh, so this is the early seventies and, uh, grandma had come in to visit at that time and pretty much discovered that, uh, you know, he was a a man about town as as they like to say, and, uh, which, uh, grandma did not approve of and decided it was uh, time for, for marriage. And so back in the day, you know, an arranged marriage, which was not unusual and, uh, you know, but, uh, was certainly undertaken in dad and mom and dad met and I came in 1976. Wow. Yeah, and so that's that's the early history, and they opened up a, a small restaurant. Um, the first one was actually on the second floor of a B-run movie theater on Sherbrooke, and the restaurant was called Maharajas. Mm-hmm. So to translate that, that means you know kings and queens, right? Yep. And uh, it was a you know dad describes that place that if they had two or three customers on a Saturday night, it was uh, it was a busy night, and if you came in, you know they really didn't hold stock. Uh, because they couldn't afford to. So if you came in and you ordered a chicken curry, you know, dad would literally run out the back door, down the fire escape, over to the Safeway next door, buy the chicken fresh, back up the fire escape, uh, into the kitchen in the back, <laughs> make the chicken, and then serve what it What took to you so you. long, man? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I had to get it. Uh, but, that, but that was the reality. Like that's, that's, how they, that's how they operated, and it was, you know, really touch and go. But the reason that they really did it wasn't for the money. The reason they got into the Indian food restaurant business back in the day was because it reminded them of home. It was a touchstone. It was a touch point to back at home, the flavors and the aromas and the smells that reminded them of being back home. Mm-hmm. And it also brought together a little bit of community. So you had the few East Indian people. And it didn't matter where the East Indian people were from. You could be from Kenya. You could be from uh, India. You could be from other parts of the world but, uh, and, and different parts of East Indian culture. Uh, Punjabi, East Indian, Gujarati, you would all come together and mix and share and be together. And it was, you know, when, when the community was that small and uh, that widespread, 
widespread, it was it was certainly to them welcoming. If you're just joining us, this is a main ingredient on 680 CJOB, and I'm talking with co-owner and manager of East India Company Pub and Eatery, Sachit Mira. So speaking of community, you guys have been involved in the community from day one. Your, your, your dad probably started that, right? You know what? And it was always very important. We felt as a community business that had been so supported by uh, the community, uh, we've been a huge success that we wanted to give back. And if you look at it, one of the things we've done over the last 10 years at the East India Company is, you know, we started the Masala Mixer event. And the Masala Mixer has now raised just under $100,000 for various charities across uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba. So Alzheimer's uh, Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, $50,000 to the Victoria General Foundation, uh, ten dollars and $15,000 to other organizations across. We've got a new Masala Mixer uh, event coming this June 22nd, mm-hmm. uh, going to be at the restaurant. And that one's going to be for uh, the Marymount Foundation uh, and the Battered Women um, a foundation there. So we're very proud of that and giving back to the community and really highlighting awareness uh, around different uh, issues is so very important for us. But giving back to the community, bring them together, I think that's something that our restaurant does and I think a lot of restaurants and businesses should do it and, and do do it in, in Winnipeg and Manitoba on a regular basis. For sure. How was it introducing East Indian food back then? How was it, it received? Oh, difficult. It seems so easy now. Like everybody's looking for, you know, different ethnic foods. Everybody's more educated on different kinds of food. Back then, we're talking the 70s. People don't know anything about anything. They and just eat your food of what, you know, what you're used to. Kevin, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've always, we've always kind of described our, our business as a lifestyle first uh, an educational place second, mm-hmm. and then maybe a thirdly, a business and an, you know, an East Indian restaurant. Back in the 70s, you, know, you couldn't run an Indian restaurant as an Indian restaurant mm-hmm. because the market simply did not exist. And so what, you know, we, our, our first restaurant you know, full run, which, which was a building on McDermott, it's called Mera's. It was actually called Mera's Deli. And it would morph into India Gardens, you know, down the, uh, down the road. But right, I was going to ask you about that because that was... That was- East Indian Company is the third restaurant. iteration. Yeah. Well, that's that's just it. It's the third you know change of that name. The first one is Maris Deli, and the reality is we did Montreal smoked sandwiches, Rubens, uh, you know, and this is what we served. And you know, our clientele was the Health Sciences Center oh. and all the doctors and the nurses and the administrators that worked out there, right? And it was it was great. Uh, in about 1975, six, you know, our first Indian meal on the menu was called Navratan Korma, or just Navratan. And the so you're cup- blending this in. You're serving mainstream Canadian stuff, kind of thing. We're going to sneak this into the menu. <laughs> we're not going to. We're not going to tell anybody. Yep. We're just going to surprise you one day. And so, Doctor Little, Doctor Little was the first, uh, you know, experiment for us. She was a lovely lady, a good friend of my mom's back then. And my mom just brought her out an Avatar Korma one day to try and said, "Just try this." And I think it was a dollar seventy-five or two dollars and twenty-five cents on the menu. You know, this, this nothing cost. And Doctor Little looked at it and said, "Well, what am I supposed to do with this?" And of course, she came to love the, the the dish and the item and has have hundreds of thousands of other people. Yep. But that was the first one. And to fast forward, it wasn't till 2001 that our that one of the menus at the restaurant was the first iteration of a menu that did not contain a salad or a sandwich on it. Really? Yeah, so it took that long. So if you think yeah. about well, 30 years or so. That is a long time. To morph from completely just one Indian item to full East Indian items, took about 30 years to do. And in that time, you're educating people. You're mm-hmm. teaching them about the food, the spices. You know, if you walked into a grocery store, Kevin, 20 years ago and asked the, the stock person for, you know, uh, Hungarian paprika, ginger spice, and, uh, you know, garlic root, they would have looked at you funny and said, well, what are you talking about, right? Totally. 
Today, if you look at some of the major-run grocery stores that are out there, the global and ethnic sessions, sections have become primaries, mainstays of what it defines uh, their, their store. And that's to me, is fascinating. We'll be back after the break with more from Sachet Mira from East India Company, Pub and Eatery on 680 CJOB. We're back here on The Main Ingredient, continuing the conversation with the East India Company restaurant owner, manager, Sachet Mira. So let's talk about um, your involvement of the business. Like, of course, your parents are running this business. You're a little guy, you know, kind of walking around, running around the business. Um, you get a bit older. How did it become a full-time passion for you? How did you get fully involved? So the restaurant, you know, as I grew up, school, I went to Sacré-Cœur, which was a French immersion mm-hmm. uh, school just down the road. And, yeah, and you speak a bazillion and languages. En français aussi, certainement. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's for, uh, for the French listeners I've out there. I've done nothing yeah, with my yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> just circumstance, Kevin, just circumstance, uh-huh. sure, that's man. all. <laughs> so, you know... The, the the restaurant again was always our living room. You know, it's the, the restaurant is where we've lived. Home, we go to sleep. The restaurant is where we live, and so the restaurant was always you know where the decisions were made and where you know we interacted with each other, and it's where we did everything. At the age of fifteen, I remember one summer, uh, my parents had a bit of an emergency back home with family, and they had to go. And so you know, I was about fifteen, uh, coming on to sixteen, and my parents went off to India, and my dad said, "If you want to run the place, you run the place." And, uh, you know, we had a cook and, uh, I hired my best friend and we basically that summer ran the restaurant and we, what was the option? What was it? Okay. So they're, they're leaving. What was the other option? If you weren't going to run it, then we're going to close it while we're gone. Correct. That was the other option. We're just going to close the restaurant. And I said, well, forget it. I mean, I know what to do. I've worked here, you know, summers over the last couple of years. Uh, this and he was fun. good with that. And dad was okay with it. I think it was a bit of an experiment for him. It was the equivalent of, I think, throwing somebody into the deep end of the pool and just seeing if they're going to swim or not. But this is your livelihood. And this is how you live. Well, what if you sink it? That, and there was the other there was the other issue on it too, and I think there was a bit of a smirk on his face when he did it. And, you know, part of it as well at that age was this teenage rebellion of, I'll show him and mm-hmm. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we did do it. And my, my best friend was with me. His name was Krishna at the time. It was fantastic. It was it was an adventure. I can it was this 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 magical summer of discovery of what you could do and how how far you were willing to go to make things to be a success right. and how hard you had to work and the things that you had to do and bridging gaps that you didn't think you could do and you're fifteen years old. It was it was magical. And, you know, and when dad came back and mom and dad came back, you know, th- that two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks to me had seemed like, you know, Years. they had because so much had happened. For sure. Uh, but I had also enjoyed myself so much. And it was really a bug and a catalyst to be, get involved in that business uh, for the rest of my life. I knew that's what I wanted to do. It'd be a strange thing as a parent because we spend so much time sheltering our kids, giving them what they need. And I'm sure he probably realized that, that sometimes you just got to see what this kid can do. You know what? I just got to. I just got to give them the opportunity and see what can happen here. Right? Caroline and I have two boys, more than Jeevan. They're 16 and 15 years old. I don't think we could ever have, you know, uh, done what was done back then in terms of, you know, uh, throwing them into that kind of thing. You know, it's just, it just freak as a parent, it just it freaks me out, right? Totally. Uh, you saying that. I have three kids, same kind of thing. Yeah. I'm super guilty of doing too much for the kids. Helicopter parents. Yeah, Holy absolutely. Smokes. We're around just them all the time all and we want to drive them. And, you know, at, at taking buses and whatnot is something that, you know, even Caroline shutters from right because she yeah, wants to crazy she wants Let's to drive she wants to drive them around everywhere and i remember growing up in uh, on mcdermott uh and notre dame that's where we grew up beside the restaurant we were in the core of core and on the first day of river heights because that was the next uh, level of immersion after sacra uh took the 68 crescent into river heights the bus and two things jumped out at me first thing i couldn't believe how big the houses were mm-hmm. 
first time I've ever seen houses that big. And the second was how big the trees were. That's the first time I've ever seen trees that big. You know, growing up on Winnipeg Avenue and McDermott, this was, you know, phenomenal to me. And it's I like met, a different city. It was a different city. And it was also the first time there was an intersection of two different cultures for me because the, I remember her name clearly was Dominic. She was this young girl. She was sitting next to me. So this was the first day of grade seven. And it was taking, we were taking the bus in. And of course, the popular culture that I had grown up with, you know, at the restaurant and in my family meant uh, that it was, you know, it was an East Indian popular culture. Mm -hmm. You know, the movies that we watched were things like Amr Akbar Anthony, Don, uh, Naseeb. You know, these were popular, you know, Amitabh Bachchan. These were popular characters from India and, and Bollywood, right? And, um, you know, so this is what I was steeped in. I remember talking to Dominique and, you know, of course, you know, we're having a conversation and, uh, you know, she uh, she asked me things that I like. And of course, I mentioned, you know, Amitabh Bachchan is my favorite character and you know, this is my my favorite movie. And I can see, I'm a bit of, you know, I was, even then I was a, a judge, a fairly good judge of people's reactions. And I could tell that she had no idea that I, what I was talking about. Right. <laughs> so, totally. Like so, I'll say what? So I, I turned it over and I just said, you know, I, and I looked at her and I, I turned the subject right away. I said, well, forget about the stuff that I like, you know, what do you like to listen to? And, you know, and so she rattled off a bunch of names of bands and she ended with, but I really like, I really like the Beatles. And Frankly, I had never heard of the Beatles mm -hmm. at that point. That wasn't a part of my popular culture. Yep. So, of course, the question out of my mind, uh, to, or my, my mouth to her was right away was, well, who's the Beatles? She, that must have been mind-blowing for her to, for you to ask that. I couldn't believe the expression on her face and her jaw a little bit dropped in her expression. And that was the first day of high school for me, okay? <laughs> so if we can only, if we'll just take it from there. That's, that, that's how, but I mean, there's an intersection. I and mean, if you look, and what does that mean today, right? You look at the intersection today, of Bollywood culture, of East Indian food, and you know these communities that have now melded to the point of being inseparable. Mm -hmm. uh, and but I like to think, you know, back in the '70s and the early '80s, these were the first starting points, right? right. Yep. Where these these groups of people and these two different communities were meeting and just touching, lightly touching at different points, and and it was progressing from there. When Caroline and I first met, uh, my wife uh, Caroline's actually half Polish, half Czech, and yep. she's a Winnipeg girl. She went to Dakota school. And, you know, uh, you know, we had our restaurant, India Gardens, on McDermott at that time. You know, she wouldn't uh, try the food for a good year. Um, you know, <laughs> If you want to come back, you, you know, eat some food. You know, well, and, and I did say to her after about a year or so, and we'd been dating, and, and certainly I love this girl, and I said, you know, Caroline, if this is going to go any further, uh, you're really going to have to try the food. And of course she did, and she loved it, and, you know, we, we got married, and I like to think it's because I can cook, uh, and, and she likes that. Uh, not because you're good-looking. No, it's, well, it's none of that, and we know that that's not the case. So, you know, you're, yeah, your listeners can't see that. <laughs> and he's laughing, so that just proves it. But, but there Whatever. you go. We're going to take a break for the news, sports, and weather, and then come back and talk about how East India Company Restaurant has managed to maintain its high standard for food and service for over two decades and is still going strong. I'm Kevin Bergen, and this is the main ingredient on 680 CJOB. Sachet Mira from East India Company Restaurants is here at 680 CJOB, and before the break, I was digging into all his personal business, but now we're going to talk about the restaurant and why it's been so successful for so long. Okay, so you know what? Let's talk about... Um the restaurant, East India Company, yeah. has quite the reputation, right? It's been on the uh, prestigious where to eat list uh, over half a dozen times. Your restaurant has a, a reputation of not only great food, but excellent service. So year after year, how do you, how do you maintain that? Well, I like to think we've got um, a certain level of um, work ethic, uh, 
Sometimes you might call it, uh, all, you know, uh, almost crazy. Um, you are over the top. Uh, I got. I got to tell you that. Like you are, you're a machine. You have to. You have to be there. Look, we started. Um, we've been in business for 46 years and three generations. Uh, we've received, um, you know, numerous awards from across the board. Uh, we're among the highest rated, longest standing um, family restaurants in in uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba. We consistently have been five stars. You mentioned uh, the Where to Eat in Canada publication by Oberon Press. Um, that's really a publication that comes out for restaurant people or people that are industry. And what it does is it ranks the top 400 across Canada. Mm -hmm. And then it further, with a special designation, ranks the top 100 in Canada. The special thing about Weird in Canada is that it doesn't matter what kind of cuisine. It doesn't matter what you charge. It doesn't matter where where you're located. As long as the food is good and the service is good and you meet those, you know, those, those bare criticals, you're in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been in the top 100 consistently over the last 12 years. And, you know, we're, we're proud of that. And the restaurants that flank us, you know, uh, you can walk into the East India Company, have a great meal for 20 bucks, uh, you know, 15 bucks for lunch, 20, 25 bucks for dinner. And, you know, the, the restaurants that flank us at number 79 and number 81, I think we're number 80 right now. Uh, you know, these places cost 150 bucks to walk into, right? Crazy. And so it, it is, and it's certain, so it's certainly very, very different. Um, I've been with my mom and dad now full-time since I was 17 at the restaurant, so almost 24, 25 years. Um, been in the business full-time. Love it. It's changed. Um, it's evolved. You know, uh, I remember back in the day, uh, and some certainly some of your food listeners will will, will certainly appreciate this, the, the, the main person that you worried about was the food critic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether that food critic was, and, and and back then it was the Winnipeg Sun or the Win- and, and certainly the Winnipeg Free Press, right? And those are the food critics that you were worried about, right? Uh, today, it's social media. It's different. Um, right, like know, I said, everybody's a critic. Everybody's Everyone. a critic. And, you know, what are the qualifications? I remember a great article uh, or a great ed, ed op piece uh, that was a question directed to Marion Warhaft, and they had asked her, well, what qualifies you to be a food critic? And her response was, well, you know, not only am I a, a teacher or a professor, I think that was her designation, but I've also eaten at hundreds, if not thousands of places over years, and I'm also a journalist. And this is what qualifies me. And that's a very right qualification. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. You've eaten at a ton of different places. You know what works and, and doesn't work. Um, and, you know, the other good thing about her was she really appreciated, um, and, and a lot of good critics are this way, that they appreciate, you know, global foods and ethnic foods, and they can put it on the on an even bar with the continental French cuisines that we have as well, as well as the same um, bar as the big box restaurants and whatnot. So I th- always thought that was a fantastic thing. Um, but again, today it's it's a different uh, it's it's a different world, um, and but we continue to do well in that world as well. Uh, we're a fan favorite. Uh, last night we were so very proud at the Love Local. Uh, event where we had local producers, um, you know, uh, talk about their wares and present their wares. Thanks and, for letting me cut in line, by the way. Oh, it was that a pleasure. Was, it was line. good to have <laughs> Oh, that line was insane. We, you know, we had four people, <laughs> Kevin, working our line, and we had our butter chicken out. We had our mixed vegetable corn out. We also had our special sauces and spices that you can find at retailers, uh, good retailers around here in Winnipeg. And, you know, people are buying the sauces, but the line for the food was for three hours long and 25 people deep, even with four staffers, including myself, working the line, were blown away. And mm-hmm. this, but this again speaks to how popular the food has become, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the statistic in Winnipeg. The aroma it, filled the room though. 
That, that's we, what took it over. I'm like at the other side and I can smell that you guys have started. It was beeline it over. There. It was incredible. Uh, the amount of people that are coming over and they certainly had their favorites and they're going for it. But if you look at the statistic and I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard this one. I mean, what is the population of Winnipeg? It's 740 odd thousand people. The statistic is that, you know, there's about 130 odd thousand seats available for lunch or dinner in Winnipeg mm-hmm. every day, day in, day out. And, you know, any city walk into whether it's Winnipeg or Ottawa or Toronto or whatnot, the Montreal, they'll always say we've got the most restaurants. Uh, actually, Winnipeg has the most seats of any other restaurant, uh, uh, any other city uh, for, for dining available. And that ratio, that 1.1 to 5 ratio is a powerful ratio, right? And so you've got to be good uh, as a business to make it in this environment. And being good has, you know, different definitions for, for different people. But certainly for us, it means you've got to have a different flavor. Mm-hmm. You've got to have great service. And for us, that means, you know, any East India company, whether here in Winnipeg or two locations in Ottawa, if you walk into it, you're going to find a Mera. You're going to find one of the family members to make sure everything's good. You know, we eat at our own restaurants twice a day. And the last thing is, and this is one of the most important, is you've got to be consistent. You, you know, when you walk into the restaurant, you've walked in and your tongue remembers what chickpeas taste like mm-hmm. or what that shrimp curry tasted like or what that butter chicken tasted like, and you want exactly the same thing. And if there's any variation on that, you know, you'll, will have feel, you will have felt let down. And so there can't be any variation. So you've got to make sure that that consistency is always there in service and in food. And we do our best to make sure that we stay within that, you know, that zone of consistency. And the last thing I think, which is very important, uh, you know, you've got to have value and, and cleanliness that are inside the restaurant at all times as well. And that's something that we're, we're very proud of on all those factors. Those things are 100% true, 100%. Again, if my experience was great one time and it's not the next time, you feel completely let down. You feel like you got ripped off. I had a, I've got a, a great relationship with some of the restaurant people uh, here in Winnipeg. And one of them once said to me that it doesn't matter where you operate your restaurant on the on the bar, on the spectrum. You could be, you know, a quick service style restaurant. You can be a casual dining place or you can be a high dining place, right? And that's fine. But you can't go out of your zone. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you're a quick service hamburger joint, and you know you're serving quick hamburgers and somebody walks into your establishment one day and has the absolute best hamburger they've ever had in their life uh, they're going to come back the next time and they're not going to have that hamburger uh, again right that was a one off experience and you will have let that client down mm-hmm. you can't do that you have to stay in your zone so you guys offer so many great dishes do you find that still today it is a lot of education on your menu and the things that you are serving people period you know what there's, there's, there's so much, and I've always said this before, and I'll say it again, that, you know, our business has been about educating the public first, uh, and then it's been an, you know, East Indian restaurant mm-hmm. second. Um, what are these dishes? Uh, what is a curry? What is a muglai? What is a korma? Right. You know, these are all questions. different things. A lot of questions. And so you're answering people all the time. Uh, a good way to answer a lot of those questions, you know, for us, the answer to that has been the buffet style service, right? Where we have this giant buffet. You can try different things and see what works for you. You know, do you want to try the chutney bar? Do you want to try the achar or the pickle bar? Uh, do you want to try the different kinds of desserts that have homemade cheese in them? Uh, or the, the, the kulfi that's made with shredded coconut as in a homemade ice cream from North India? And, you know, that education level is always there. We also do cooking classes on a fairly regular play, uh, in basis. In the restaurant? In the restaurant. People really? can come in. We do groups of 14, 15, 16. They're great team building for corporate events as well. And people come in and, you know, we will spend three hours with them. We will uh, go through multiple uh, courses where we, we demonstrate and we'll pair a wine or a beer with those courses. Uh, there'll be a hands-on course as well. People get to, you know, learn to fold a samosa or make a naan bread or something like that. Back after the break with Sachet Mira from East India Company Restaurants here on 680 CJOB. 
Welcome back to The Main Ingredient here on 680 CJOB as we continue our conversation with one of Winnipeg's most successful community-involved businessmen who is also the co-owner and manager of East India Company Restaurants. We've come such a long way. I remember one particular um, visit um, by a health inspector, and this goes back 25 years, and I was I was about 15, 16 years old at the time, and we had the small India Gardens restaurant, and the person was new on the job, and they had walked in, and they were blown away by the different spices uh, that we had inside the kitchen. They had never seen these things before. They had never seen giant uh, jars full of whole cinnamon or clove or black cardamom or green cardamom. And what are these things? And Yeah, because you guys are doing it all right there, right? We're a, we're a scratch kitchen. We're an absolute real scratch kitchen. And you know, for, for people that don't know what that means, is that means we make everything from the get-go and go from there. Uh, my grandma, for example, and, and this is for Canadian Border Services, uh, in, ni- in, in, 19, uh, in 1970, uh, when she came over, she snuck um, a little pouch of uh, yogurt culture and bacteria from India back into uh, here into Canada. And for, for those people that don't know or, or do it at home, um, our restaurant makes its own yogurt. Mm-hmm. Our restaurant makes its own cheese. Mom still grinds the spices three times a week. We still sauce our own tomatoes twice a week. You know, when you think about <clears throat> when you think about East Indian cuisine, you know, the top three main cuisines, and this is a bit of education, the top three main cuisines, you know, in, in the history of our species, of course, has been French, Chinese, and Indian. Mm. And besides Chinese, it was only Indian cooking that really understood the fundamental Ayurvedic and homeopathic properties of the base ingredients that were inside the food. So that means, in, in lay words, that not only did this taste good, that it was, you know, ginger garlic were you know tasted good, but the reality was that you know they played uh, a role in the functioning of your body. They did things here, right? right? Good for the gut. They were good for the gut. Uh, they were good for the blood. They were good for the skin. You know whatnot, depending on what the ingredients was. And, you know, they were very prescriptive in, in how they should be used because, you know, we knew that they were going to be playing roles in your your digestive tract and whatnot. And, you know, I, I, I always make the, the, the funny observation, you know, one of the misunderstandings, you know, in the 70s and the 80s was this whole idea of curry powder, right? Well, first of all, there's no such thing as curry uh, or, or curry powder. Uh, in good and real Indian cuisine, that was never that was never a real ingredient, and you know if you walk into a grocery store and you see a, a little packet of and it says curry powder on it and it's got little flecks of cumin and it's all yellow in color, all that really is is turmeric, and turmeric. If you follow the the properties, the homeopathic properties of turmeric, the reality is turmeric is actually a digestive level spice. It will play with you. Oh, and really? Absolutely. And so what happened? I play with you not in a good way. Not in a good way. And you'll have a bad experience. And so what happened in the 70s and the 80s and even the early 90s, if you look at some of these, you know, bad cooking books uh, of global foods or Indian cooking books, you know, they would undoubtedly call for a tablespoon of curry powder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you would add this to whatever dish and that curry powder, that turmeric powder would play with you and, you know, you'd have bad experience and then you'd have a bad experience of Indian food and you'd say, well, that's it. I, I'm not doing this again. No. Good Indian food is garam masala is based around, you know, whole spices and ground spices and doesn't really, you know, mess around with a system like that. And it's been years and decades of that level of, and that kind of education and that kind of cooking that's now started bringing people and, you know, having them realize. And now we're starting to see it with our sauces where people are, you know, going to the store, grabbing those, taking them home, and that's what they're cooking with, right? Because it's a lot quicker to do that than it is to do two hours over the 
over the stove. When we think about what North America knows about Indian food, right? North America really knows uh, the North uh, part of India, Northeast Indian culture. That's what it knows. So it knows things like biryani, tandoori chicken, mm -hmm. chicken curry, right. naan bread, chana masala. These are all Northeast Indian items, right? When I say, you know, uh, East Indian to you, what are some images that pop into your mind? You know, elephant, maybe a turban, uh, maybe <laughs> a large castle. These yeah. are, these are you know, very uh, indicative images of North Northeast India. But the reality is there's a whole other India there, mm -hmm. right? There's mm -hmm. South India, there's dosas, there's idlis, there's uh, Bangalore style food, uh, which is just fantastic. A lot of seafood. Uh, so there's a whole, it, it'd be the kin of describing Canadian uh, culture and food as just poutine and maple syrup. Well, that's not true. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that's wide ranging, right? And so gotta be careful sometimes of, you know, what exactly is, is in East Indian food because it's not just those items, though it is what we know. Right. I'm gonna ask a selfish question. Yeah, well, so I'm sure tons of people would wanna know. You know, you have two in Ottawa, one in Winnipeg, When's another one opening in Winnipeg? Yeah, that's a great question. Absolutely. As <laughs> soon as I can clone myself, Kevin. Uh, I, Come I would on, man. You only do like, you know, one or two things. Yeah. I, I, I heavily involved in the community. Uh, absolutely. Heavily. heavily. That's in, an understatement. I sit on uh, 10 different boards. Uh, I love giving back to the community. Um, huge inside our community politics, our city politics, uh, our community boards. I think it's very, very important that, you know, as a voice, you continue to have it heard uh, and have it part of the mix as well. Uh, that's moving forward. And you also keep your ears open, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what are the people talking about? What's important to them? Where is our city headed? Uh, what is it going to look like in 20 or 25 years or 30 years? Uh, what's its makeup going to be? Um, you know, uh, what problems um, or challenges that can we, uh, you know, see ahead, you know, offset today? You know, one of the realities is, and I've talked about this, is that Winnipeg's going to be a million people in about 15 years. Mm -hmm. That's not that long off. Nope. And, you know, for those people that complain about the traffic uh, day in, day, uh, day, night, we talk about our roads all the time and our, our weather. Well, I remember a time when I used to go to school in 94, uh, I went to St. Paul's. And I would drive down uh, Waverly uh, and Keniston. And, you know, those people back in that day would remember that that was nothing but field. Totally. And crazy. And today it's, it's a, it's a city onto itself. Mm -hmm. And so if you can imagine the increased traffic that's happened with, you know, a city that's in, in a growth mode, you know, you add another 250,000 people to the mix right now and uh, tell me what that's going to look like. And it's going to be, it's going to be busy. So what does that mean? Well, it just means, you know, more infrastructure and it means decisions, uh, that we're making today uh, that makes sense 20 and 25 years down uh, into the future. I think that's important. We could talk about that's another episode too. Yeah. Oh, we got to have a part two here. But um, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it, it you know, th th how does that relate back to the restaurant? And then I see, you know, when we started in 93 and then the restaurant in downtown Winnipeg, you know, it was, it was a bit of a ghost town. I mean, it was 60% occupancy, 60% mm -hmm. in downtown Winnipeg back then, you know, every third building was for sale for lease and you could get them cheap. Uh, today it's, turned drastically different. We've gone in the last seven years from 14,000 downtown residents to 18,000 downtown residents today. There's been over $2.2 billion in infrastructure investment in our downtown Winnipeg. You've seen things like the Canadian Human Rights Museum come up. You've seen uh, the 
expansion of the convention center, the MTS center, uh, small and medium scale um, projects like the Met, the Alt Hotel. There's six cranes up in downtown Winnipeg right now, right now, this moment, you can go there. That to me is wonderful and really points the indicator and the needle that this is happening. And so, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I'm on 10 different boards. Yeah, I do all these things and I I love to do them. Why? I'll be very honest. It's very selfish because I want my little Indian restaurant to do well. (laughs) I want- uh, Nothing wrong with that when everybody benefits. Nothing wrong with that. I want the community to do well. For sure. And, you know, being a born and raised Winnipeg, I'm so proud of the city. I'm so proud of uh, Manitoba and Canada and the things that we've done. And, uh, you know, you really want to see the best foot forward. You know, I, I looked at downtown- Winnipeg, you know, when I was a chair of the Winnipeg Downtown Biz uh, and sat on the board for seven years, that, you know, we didn't arrive where we were uh, overnight. It took decades. Mm-hmm. You know, it took decades, you know, for, for Winnipeg to look like what Winnipeg looked like in the early 90s uh, in, in downtown. And it's taken us a couple of decades now to get out of that. And today, you know, it is a completely different place than, you know, in the early 90s. And it's moving to really good places. And for me, as a business person, as a Winnipegger, um, I'm so proud to see that. Uh, I'm so proud to see, you know, business tourists and uh, pleasure tourists come to Winnipeg, eat at my restaurant, have a great impression of the restaurant and the city um, and the community around us. I think that's fantastic. We are going to end there, but we are going to give some basic information on your restaurant, where it is the hours. Sure, absolutely. And when you're coming back for part two. Okay, well, uh, yeah. whenever you call me, Kevin, it's, it'd be a pleasure, but uh, we're at the East India Company. We're on 349 York Avenue, um, right next door to the convention center. Phone number there is 947-3097. Come anytime. It's uh, Winnipeg's uh, highest rated, longest standing family restaurant, and we're proud, uh, we're proud to host you. You're like the James Brown of the restaurant industry. You're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> Dude, thanks for coming out, man. Kevin, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. He is a great guy. That was Sachet Mira, co-owner of East India Company Restaurants. And if I was to list all of the great things he has done in and for Winnipeg, it would be a whole new show. Thanks for listening. I'm Kevin Bergen, and this is a main ingredient on 680 CJOB. This is 680 CJOB.